And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. We appreciate you taking a couple minutes out of your Super Bowl parade planning and coming to join us on the podcast. We are inside Paul Brown Stadium. Probably 90 minutes or so after what was really over at 3 o'clock. Uh, the Browns were pretty thorough with it. You watched it. If you didn't, you listened or you followed the tweets or you're reading now and, and clicking over. We appreciate it. Um, we'll get to a few things, Jason. I would say this. The Browns won the game. Like The main characters were the main characters and the guys they need. But I, I can't think of one area where they didn't excel, and I feel like if it was still going on, like, the punt team would be dominating right now, right? A different guy would be getting a sack. Troy Hill had three sacks today. Um, we'll, we'll get to the circumstances. I think everybody knows them, or most of them. They needed this kind of feel-good effort, this kind of mandatory effort, and I felt like top to bottom they got it. It was a really happy post game, uh, and it should have been because I think it's an incredible sense, incredible mix, I should say, of relief of satisfaction and of saying, hey, we can do this and we're in this. And today looks like the Browns of last December. And frankly, in October, the Browns mostly sucked. Yeah, you know, James Jones, the old Cavs player, once told me there's no such thing as a must-win game until you're facing elimination. But, Zach, this felt like a must-win game uh, more than any other game to me Mm -hmm. this season. If they – you know, I tweeted before the game, if they win – Everything's still in front of them. They're in the division race, and everything's okay. And some of this stuff gets tamped out a little bit. And if they lose this game, in my mind, the season's over. The playoffs are out, and that locker room is probably exploding at the seams. And and maybe that's a bit of an overstatement, a bit of hyperbole, but I do believe that Odell had a lot of fans in that locker room. I do think there's probably some guys that are upset he's not here anymore. Uh, but I don't think six is one of them. And Baker was marvelous today. I've been as hard on him as anybody. He was fantastic. Throwing the deep ball, chunk plays. He had his best day throwing the ball down the field that he's had clearly all year. I was just looking up the numbers before we started this podcast. He hasn't thrown the ball down the field with this type of precision, accuracy, putting it on guys uh, really maybe one or two other times in his career, and that's it. He was dialed in. He was terrific. The, The Denzel Ward play swung the game. All credit to Malik McDowell for the best offsides penalty of the season because the Bengals the Bengals are going down the field. They're going to kick the field goal, the offsides penalty. Now you think they're going in for six, uh, and, and Denzel takes it 99 the other way. It completely changed the, the, the tempo of the game. Uh, it, it changed the momentum, and the Browns really never looked back from there. Yeah, I mean, even an explosive play, guys, like – Usually when it happens in the first quarter of an NFL game, I mean, it stands out, but it's not a huge momentum shifting play, season shifting play. 
But I'm glad you mentioned it because the Browns weren't perfect, but they were close. They jump off sides. They, he lined up off sides, yeah. right? He didn't jump. Anyway, they make the mistake. It negates a big sack. Uh, Burrow was so on the money on that first drive. And so instead of being 3 nothing Bengals, um, it's 7 nothing coming the other way, right? And, and I just thought Ward was awesome throughout the day. I thought the entire secondary was awesome throughout the day. And it was just a swarming effort, right? Um, I mean, Troy Hill getting three sacks stands out and – you know, Nick Chubb can't seen do that? anything that really. Have you ever seen a, a, a quarterback get three sacks in a game? Like clearly, no, they, no. They I've saw seen, something on film. You know, they had to. Right, and and I've seen you know that happen, and and to where a, a series of blitzes and one guy makes it, but to actually get there three times, no. Um, you know, I, I mean, you and I sit next to each other during a game, and we talk about you know not much different than than this, and. Burrow was hot early, and it looked like it was going to be a wild one. But the Browns kept playing a step ahead, right? So the defense was so good that the offense didn't have to do too much. But then the defense was so good, it put the offense in those positions. And when the offense excelled in those positions, then the defense was able to go out and fly around and blitz the slot corner, right? Yeah. Um, there wasn't with, – with the exception of late in the first half or early in the third quarter, those are the only times outside the first drive – where you're like, man, this is a really important sequence here because the Bengals can get back in it or the Bengals can shift the momentum here. They, The Browns completely controlled like 52 minutes of that game. And, <laughs> I mean, Baker here and Najoku have lit up the Bengals before, but this is a 100 times better version, right? This this was a, a, a reeling Browns team that has not done many things consistently well with a thorough domination of what's a pretty good team. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Bengals. They just absolutely blow the doors off the Ravens. Now they've lost the Jets and the Browns in consecutive weeks. Baker always feels good against the Bengals. He always puts up good numbers against the Bengals. It did, it did feel a little bit like, you know, you fire a coach before a game that you know you can win to rally the troops. It had a little bit of that feel to it. Odell's gone. Hey, we're yeah. playing the Bengals. Baker always balls out against the Bengals, and and he did again. Like, it's, it's indisputable. Some of his best games as a pro have come against this team and and it happened again and again i'm not trying to, to downplay anything because he was marvelous it was a terrific effort i think you're right i think the defense took some of the pressure off the offense and this was the first complete game of the season where it felt like all phases helped each other out in minnesota you just felt like the defense bailed the offense out there have been times where the mm-hmm. offense bailed the defense out this was the first time where it felt like everybody was playing complimentary football both within the schemes and on both sides of the ball yeah, I mean, it's cliche, but it's the coach's favorite cliche, right? And and today was like the ultimate NFL example of it, right? Of just like, set them up and knock them down. Yeah. And they were going to take that deep shot at some point because they needed to. They needed to for future opponents. They needed to for Baker's confidence. They needed to because obviously they thought they could hit it to DPJ. But, I mean, how perfect off the defensive stop at the opponent's 40-yard line. Go for it. And he's running down the middle. Yep. And, you know, once he gets going with those long strides, the ball's right on the money. You know, now everybody has to prepare for that coming. Now they know they can hit it. That that was that was huge. Um, everybody in this division race is flawed, right? Uh, and everybody's in it because now the Browns and the Bengals have the exact same record. The Steelers play tomorrow. The Ravens won. I know they came from behind. Obviously, they're playing at the same time. I, I don't really know anything about it, um, you know, how, how that went, Jason. But if you think about it, the Browns have had one clunker, right, in nine games. Um, they didn't play well in October across the board. And, and you mentioned uh, what turned out to be a big win in Minnesota. They they played well for a quarter, quarter and a half. 
Um, but they've only had one clunker. They've failed on fourth down and they failed in the fourth quarter. And they were so good and so thorough today, they took those out of the equation. But I, I think it is step back and look like if the offensive line plays like today, if Nick Chubb's healthy and he was clearly better um, this week than last, uh, although the Browns did a better job of letting him get downhill and the, steel, and, and the Bengals were a little flat-footed or, or a lot flat-footed, right? Like the overall body of work is not bad. We're, we're grading it difficult, right, as we should uh, because this team has expectations. The defense, which clearly to me is better personnel-wise, has just been inconsistent in its results. Ward, awesome today. John Johnson, big plays. Pay him a lot of money, right? Troy Hill, go get him because you think he's a huge, huge upgrade from what you had last year, and you have him on the ready to play any spot. The rookie, Newsom, really good game, right? Like, <laughs> this is a legit receiving core and legit passing game, and the Browns were up to the task. That's just one of the things. But I just, like I said, I, I just think, you know, for as uneven and as choppy as it's been in what is a week-to-week league and what is a moment that the Browns had to win right now, as far as it pertains going forward, and it really doesn't pertain past this Tuesday, right? You have to feel good about this because you certainly feel a lot better than you have at any time leaving the stadium uh, at any point of the five October games. Yeah, the secondary today, we said all year, I've said it all year that the secondary has far more, too much talent to be playing the way that it was playing with some of the busted coverages we saw in the secondary receivers running free. And you look at the names, you look at the personnel, and you think, what, what's, why isn't this working? And, and, you know, one game doesn't fix everything. You know, we still got a lot of season left, and there could be plenty more busted coverages ahead of us. But they were on point today. This, I thought, was the best game the secondary has played all year. It's not even close. You've already mentioned all the names. J.J. threw with another forced fumble. Obviously, the Denzel Ward return. Troy Hill with the three sacks. Uh, and on and on and on. Everybody, it felt like, in the secondary made a contribution in some form or fashion. And and it really, you know, you're talking about Jamar Chase, one of the, the best young receiver in the league, already one of the, the premier receivers, and, and they took him out of the game. This was not a good game for Chase. He had some drops uh, and just really just some terrific coverage uh, on him and, and credit to the Browns for that. But I want to flip real quick. Donovan Peoples-Jones, you mentioned him earlier. This felt to me – I'm, I'm going to write Baker today because I feel like I have to write Baker after everything that's going on this week. Sure. I'd like to write about the defense and everything that we just talked about, and I'd like to write about Donovan Peoples-Jones because it just felt like – out with the old and in with the new. And we've all, I think you've referred to, to DPJ as sort of like a baby deer trying to get his legs under him. And it just feels like with Odell gone, the runway is clear now for not OBJ, but for DPJ to take off. Yeah, I mean, he was really good in training camp. And that was the continuation of last year where he was really pressed into duty. And he was a 21-year-old rookie who basically had no college career. Right, because they couldn't get him the ball, and, and because he was just this big talent who who needed more experience and needed a better pass game to refine himself. Um, and then, you know, they he just they just didn't get him going. He played a lot of snaps. He didn't get a ton of targets. Didn't get a ton of opportunities. Finally, in early October, he made some plays, and he gets hurt warming up for the Denver game. Misses two games. So, obviously, then you make this swap, and and the runway is clear, and you need him to play big, and he does. Um, he has size and range that a lot of guys don't have. He's not going to explode off the ball like the smaller guys do, but once he gets going, he runs fast. And the best thing he does, Jason, is he uses those strong hands and those long arms. Like Lots of guys have long wingspans, but he goes and gets the ball, so he doesn't have to be open. 
right? And, and without getting into um, Odell Sr. and REM playing Everybody Hurts and all of that, <laughs> we've seen this pass offense struggle in many aspects, and we've seen guys just not feel open, right? And and that's like that's going to happen. That's the NFL because open is by six inches in a lot of cases, right? And specifically sometimes in this offense when, when you're not throwing it a ton down the field, that makes it a lot easier. So he – can just go get it when he's not open. And I just thought, like I said, even if even if that play doesn't result in a touchdown, even if he catches it and gets tackled or draws P.I. or, hell, even if it bounces off his face mask and it didn't, defense, future defenses needed to see that. And, and Baker needed it for his confidence, right? And I just, like I said, I just – it was this game last year when Odell got hurt and then they finally woke up after a really crappy first half – and the pass offense, I think it was DPJ that scored the winner. I know he had several big ones. Uh, I'm getting old, and they're they're all running together, right? But, like, they they needed it. It's part of the progression, and it's a huge part because he can be that. So is, is he probably more like a year away from being an absolute star than he is a week away? Sure, but all involved needed that badly. I think he's going to be a big part of this going forward, ready or not. I, I think he's he's going to – I mean, he only had two catches today. Baker said, you know, he, he only had two catches, but they were both huge catches. Obviously, the home run play over the top and then the catch down the sideline. I, I think we're going to see more and more of that. Let's get into the sure. – let's get into this a little bit um, with, with the Odell thing. And, you know, Baker's reaction to this I find fascinating because talking to him on Wednesday and then talking to him today – He'll never admit this, but I think he was legitimately hurt and shocked because everything we heard about him at Oklahoma was his teammates loved him. Everybody at Oklahoma loved him. Like I went down his rookie year. I went on campus and talked to some of those guys, and they were gushing about what a guy he is, the quarterback that he is, the leader, all this stuff, and they truly loved him. And I think this was – it just feels to me, and maybe I'm projecting here, but it feels like this was the first time – where a teammate just didn't think he was good enough. Baker's used to people doubting him. He's used to the critics and all that. That story is old and played out. But to have someone on his side and someone in his locker room look at him and say, you're not good enough, I don't think he's ever experienced that before. When you're talking, we were talking to yeah. him in post game today, and he said, like, Well, he blocked me on Twitter, but yeah, but other than that, I'm not in the locker room anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just couldn't take, I couldn't pass that no, opportunity. No, but like, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Well, your I was just going to say, like, he said today, like, you know, he got a question today about, about being able to rise to the occasion when his back's against the wall and all that. And he, he even said, like, this is a pretty unique situation. This wasn't anything I've had before. And, and I think it's the first time it feels to me like it's the first time this was an inside attack. This wasn't from the outside. This was the first time someone sure. on his side was questioning him and telling him you're not good enough. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, no, that's well said, uh, and, and I agree. I, I thought in handling it, he showed some vulnerability, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but he he kind of explained, like, I didn't expect this. Like, I sure would like to talk to them. I'd spoken to the father before, and this is kind of bullshit, right? Yeah. And then today, like, what, what did he talk for, eight, ten minutes after the game? Like, he gave the political answer. He went right to thanking his teammates and saying he never doubted the focus, and then in the end he got real, and he said – well, with all the bullshit that went on this week, yep, yep, right? yep, like, yep. that wasn't a scripted line. That that wasn't dancing around anything. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think the chip on the shoulder, and he needs to have his back. I mean, nothing makes my eyes roll harder than that. Totally however, agree. However, totally agree. How, however, like this is truly who he is, right? <laughs> like it's truly when you see his best, and nobody talked about the injury all week. Why? Because of Odell. Well, he didn't look hurt today. I thought he extra protected himself on the first sack, but any quarterback should do that. Not not even ones that are playing with a big brace in a, in a major injury, right? Um, I said I, I thought everything about what they drew up, how he got rid of it, where he delivered it, and then specifically how the game script played out was a dream. And allowing that to roll on was that most balls were on the money. The Browns only ran 15 plays in the first half. <laughs> they were they scored 24 <laughs> points, and he was seven of eight. Like you can't, you can't. Like I was surprised with the final line was only 14 to 21. Well, he had the touchdown, but he also had a couple bad misses late. Like why, why was he even in there, right? So, yes, he's here and now. He's feeling better. He played better. He hit the deep one. They needed all that going forward. Odell's gone. He's handled it. He's established himself. I think, Jason, I think there's always going to be a little bit of a weird dynamic in that he is the leader of this locker room. He is the face of this franchise, and everybody knows that on talent, he's not one of the top guys. Like, for the Browns to be really good, he has to play well, but he's not one of those elite, elite quarterbacks that has to be the front of everything. Right. But I also think, as a pretty close observer, and again, we haven't been in the locker room for two years and all of this stuff, you know, I also think he has grown in to the role. I think things like this in any sport on any level, you're going to – it's going to be stressful. It's going to be strange. And he was obviously the target of something he was blindsided by, and he delivered an A performance um, and, you know, presumably privately because we don't know how he how he delivered around it Wednesday, post-game Sunday, and making the throws, and guys responding to him, and jogging off, pumping his fist because the Browns played a damn near perfect game and won by 25 on the road against a division opponent. Yeah, um, I'd say he's feeling good, and I'd say he's earned the right to, to A, celebrate it, and B, say, hey, this, this team right now is still in good enough hands um, as we pass the midpoint and have everything in front of us to play for. Just look at the way he handled the Hugh Jackson situation, the way he handled this. Night and day. And it's not the same, but, you know. It's not. Clearly, You're right. That's a good point. But, That's a good point still. But yes. clearly he, you know, didn't have a whole lot of love for Hugh. Felt like Hugh didn't really have a whole lot of love for him. And, and the way that he carried himself 
as a rookie compared to how he handled this polar opposites of each other. No doubt. Um, no doubt about that. And look, this team's going to have to be mature. Um, they're a, what, a game, a, a game and a half behind technically. Yeah. I think the Ravens are six and two, right? Uh, they're one and one in the division, one road win, one home loss. Uh, the Steelers get the bears. I, I, I don't, everybody's a contender. Everybody's flawed, but everybody's a contender, right? I mean, at Baltimore, the Ravens won by the exact margin. I think that the Browns won in Cincinnati today, right? There's a lot of football to be played. Um, with the win today, they kept themselves in the mix. With the past game showing sharpness and signs of life, they they showed how they're going to have to do it. They have another road game um, against a, another playoff contender dead ahead, and we're going to have to see. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, the Browns at five and four, and it sure seems and feels and vibes a whole lot better than four and four did because they weren't playing. They were playing fourth place football, not 500 football. Um, I don't think the Browns are going to go 12 and five, right? Yeah. Like I think they're going to have to ride this up and down. Um, they're going to have to at least split with the Ravens. I mean, to win the division, they might have to win in Baltimore, and that's only three weeks away. We'll see. But but I think. More than anything, obviously, just celebrating the win and being glad that Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Diamond Peoples-Jones and Baker Mayfield are on your team, right? You say, if the Browns play like this, then, like, this looked like last year. And by the end of last year, they showed they can play with anybody, right? So I think that's that's the biggest takeaway is the flags aren't going to go your way. The bounces aren't going to go your way. And certainly you're not going to strangle every team into submission, specifically on the road, right? But, like – the look and feel of everything, how it's supposed to look with the defense taking the ball away and the offense going for the kill shot and Chubb, you know, squirting out of the first tackle and running like running past guys that weigh 50 pounds less than he does. Um, it's it, t- today was really good. And, and it's it, it, like, to me, it just changes the whole outlook on how the rest of the thing goes. You know, we didn't do an emergency podcast or anything this week to discuss some of this stuff, but, but I'm, what do you think? I look at the playoff standings and they don't hold the tiebreaker with the Chiefs. They don't hold the tiebreaker with the Chargers. It just looks to me like it's division or bust. Is that too far of a reach? Can they, Can I mean, I guess, I mean, if you look at the standings, they're one spot out of the playoffs now with the Patriots ahead next week. So I guess theoretically they can, they can easily get in. But it feels like their best path to the postseason still is by winning the division. And I don't know how realistic that is. Well, that, that, that always is. And yeah, I think the Ravens are flawed. Uh, again, I, I've only seen like two highlights, but I, I think Lamar Jackson carried the ball 24 times today. That's not real good. <laughs> it's, it's who he is. It's what makes him special. Is that sustainable, right? They're, they're giving up 50 yard touchdowns to Justin Jefferson. I think they, they have one of the league's worst rated pass defenses at, at, at the midpoint of the season. Every team has flaws. The Browns have a chance. Yes. Um, if the Browns are good enough to go in there in three weeks on Sunday night football and win, then sure, they're good enough to win the division. Sure, they're good enough to to win in the AFC playoffs when that rolls around. Um, I don't think it's division or bust as soon as, as far as getting there. I, I, I think given the path that this thing has gone on and, and how poorly they played for most of October, right? I, I just think you want to see, obviously, you, you want to see them win every Sunday, but taking the bigger picture. I just think you want to see a better product, a sharper product. And like last year at this time, they won this game here to go to five and two. Well, they, they hadn't won any big games yet. You know, they hadn't played in those tornado games yet. 
like the cir- the circumstances are still ahead of them. Right. It wasn't until after Thanksgiving that they really found the groove specifically in the past game, which opened things up. You know, I think Kareem Hunt and JOK have a chance to be back by the end of the month. That's when they play the Ravens. I think the offensive line had its best game of the season today. You know, you're going to be without Jack Conklin for several, several weeks. Right. You hear Stefanski say after the game that that, of course, guys are sore and, you know, they're managing Clowney and Miles and those guys along the way and tack too, but Greedy's the only one he names on the actual injury list. Like these are all good vibe things. So I realistically, if they're going to make a run, then yes, I've always said it. It's division or bust because you're not going to win three road games unless you have Tom Brady. Yeah. (laughs) But like for this team for right now, for, for feeling good about things and seeing how they might, I mean, the whole, the whole AFC is flawed. The bills lost to Jackson. Yeah. That's incredible. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Right. So so, so I don't think it's that. I, I think it's um, it's it's a little bit of juju. It's the Browns is the Browns, and today's version of the Browns um, carries forward. You know what's what's today like November seventh, November eighth. Um, I think when we get into December and we see them play like this, then then yeah, then then you can say this is a playoff team. But you know, do they have to necessarily chase down the Ravens? You know, do they are, are they really going to dominate? You know, teams, anybody outside the Lions like this the rest of the way, I don't know. But I know today they look like a playoff team. And I know that when Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett play like they did today, that, that the Browns are maybe not as good as anybody, but they're damn close. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Can we spend three seconds talking about the block Wyatt Teller threw on the Nick Chubb touchdown run? Oh my <laughs> yes. God in heaven. Like, this is why you got to pay this guy. Like, to me, I, and you know, I know there's probably some questions about Wyatt Teller as a pass blocker and I never thought in this podcast we'd be talking Wyatt Teller but that was an unbelievable he left his feet and I don't know who he hit but that was like a bus hitting a Honda and just a terrific block obviously Nick Chubb just ran away from everyone for a guy his size the speed he has is unbelievable but that top that block that Teller threw as a pulling guard was just spectacular I had to at least mention it no I uh, I'm glad you did I'm, I'm glad you did because it was um you know why are you talking about paying a guard because that's the identity of this team, yeah. right? Like, Batonio and Teller, when they're busting people's asses and faces, that's when this team is rolling. And, and like, for Chubb to do what he did today, like, the 70-yard touchdown run, like, guys just don't do that. Him and Derek Henry are the only two guys on the planet who do that. 
But for him to rack up those yards, Jason, on 14 carries, I mean, is that a dream all the way around, right? For, for the Browns to make enough defensive plays, even outside a 99-yard touchdown, which is going to happen like once every three seasons, right, to set up the offense the way they did, to go for kill shots, to not have to overdo anything or, or get into tough spots. Like, I, it, it was just solid all the way around, and then the exclamation points is where you saw, hey, th- this is where this team is really good. So, shoot, I mean, they lose Greedy. They're down to their fifth corner, A.J. Green. The Bengals are going right at him. He's holding his own. Yep. Like, they're going to need him. Yep. They're, they're going to, to, to need him. Um, you know, like I said, we'll get into it another time. I understand how people are down on Denzel because he's so talented. But, like, I just roll my eyes when I see, and God knows I've been wrong before, when I see people write into the mailbag or tweet me. I mean, we can never trust Denzel. No, like, he's missing two or three or four games a year. But when he plays, and today was absolutely an A performance, like, you see how special he is. And, and I think the kid is special, too. I think Newsom has more than held his own out there for a rookie, and teams are going to keep going at him too, right? But I, I just think super impressive uh, across the board on defense, but specifically by the secondary, every guy in a game where they're, they're, they're as challenged as much by these guys and this quarterback as, as they are or will be by almost anybody else. Can you pay a guy who misses two, three, four games a year? Because that's a question with for me to, with Denzel. It's never been about his talent. It's about staying on the field. Yeah, no, I think you can, and I think you have to, right? Um, I, I, I just think, like, it's such a premium position. Um, I, I know from the time way back when Phil Savage used to let me um, sit in the draft room, right, and, and they would go through this. And there was one in particular example where they, they it was the year they didn't have a picks in the first, second, or third round, yeah, right? Yeah, And he got up there and he said, well, I know we need a corner, and I know – it's gonna, this guy's going to look awfully tempting because we don't pick till now and he's lasted, but here's why we graded him a fifth rounder to start with, right? And so we need to be careful. But the rebuttal was, well, if we don't take him, somebody else's. And this particular guy never made it in the NFL. He bounced around bottom of rosters and was a fourth corner. But it's such a premium position. And so, yes, you of, of course you would hate to pay Denzel $50 million and, and have him get a real injury. But, like, to me <laughs> – if, if he's on a 14 game plan and two of them are like this, then he's worth that. He's worth what you're going to give him and a whole bunch more. He's, he's a super rare cat. That's why they drafted him at fourth, despite being just like a full-time starter for one year, despite not having the pedigree or, or being the darling of, of draft media or, and he wasn't for everybody. I mean, shoot, even three weeks before the draft, they thought they were going to take Bradley Chubb, but the ultimate decision came down to, the traits that this kid has, you just can't find him. The length, the athleticism. He was 21 years old on the day he was drafted. Like, what can he develop into? And I just thought today, fresh and ready off the week off, right, was an, an incredible, incredible performance. <clears throat> and, and his secondary mates backed him up. And that's a huge reason why um, that the Browns won by as much as they did. Game's still going on. Four o'clock game still going on as we record this. Obviously, Sunday night and Monday night still to go. But the Browns are on the bubble in the playoffs. Five and four, first team out. Uh, obviously, Patriots is the seventh seed. They've got them coming up still. And it's all right in front of them. So I guess you're right when I say it's they have to win the division. That's that's not entirely accurate because obviously there's still a lot of football ahead of them. Leaving here today, though, feeling a lot better than uh, last week. And then, obviously, all hell breaking loose during the week. Just a, a, a mature performance. I was going to ask Stefanski if this was his hardest week as a coach, but I knew he wouldn't answer me anyway, so I didn't bother asking. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yes. But I do th- I do think that, you know, we've talked before about, okay, they're, they're facing some 
some some turbulence now for the first time a few weeks ago. This, I think, easily was Kevin's hardest week as a coach, uh, and and they got through it, and they handled it. They handled their business, and they won the game, and now I think you can truly – it's you know, the Odell thing still leaks into this week a little bit, obviously, because he didn't go on waivers until tomorrow. But for the most part, I think we can flush this now and move on with the rest of the season. Yeah, no, really well said. And look, um, nobody brings it for 17 games, and, and no, not anybody has 17 big games. When you're in the AFC North, every division game is a big game, right? And when you have the circumstances that the Browns have had based off the way they played, this was a big one. So the core of it, when you win, it's the right to play another big one. And next week in New England's a really big one, right? And, and those back-to-back Ravens and this quirky schedule is a really big one. Um, if the Browns can ascend every game in December – will be really big, really important. Uh, hell, most of them are going to be on national TV. We already know that, right? So we don't know officially on the Raiders game, but all signs would point to that moving to Saturday night in the spotlight. So um, just really kudos to everybody. There's not enough game balls to go around. You know, I think Denzel gets the first one, and obviously Baker and Chubb get them too, and DPJ gets them too. But the entire defense, the entire team, the entire organization for rallying, and we'll see. We'll see what's left in the tank. We'll see what's left uh, in the pass game. And, and if this defense can actually turn it over, and they were due for, you know, some of this stuff, you rip the ball out or the ball gets batted in the air, it's bound to go your way. But from day one, practice one and pads, this team has emphasized it. And they had only had forced five turnovers through eight games. It was time for a change. And they did it, and they capitalized. And that's what felt like last year. The offensive line kicking people's ass to set up Nick Chubb felt like last year. And then burying it down the field and the quarterback pumping his fists instead of writhing his, in pain on the sideline. That felt like last year. So huge win. Kudos to all. Thank you guys for listening. Um, We're on to New England. See you this week on Civilized Barking.